Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Duck and the Usher, a movie podcast. Coffee is on, and it is time to talk movies. My name is Zachary W. Fisher, and I'm here with my counterpart, Joshua Stenkamp. And today, we are talking about a, uh, a little little known movie known as Barfly. I don't know about little known movie. <clears throat> little unknown movie. Little, little unknown, yeah. yeah. Perhaps by today's standards, yes. Uh so Barfly is uh, well. Before before we jump into Barfly, how, how's your week been, man? My week has been okay. Celebrated my B day. Yeah, I think uh, we mentioned that in the last. Did we episode. do that on the last episode? Yeah, we did. We it's did. a little bit, a little it's stale news now. Yeah, it's been a haze. <laughs> there was some some heavy drinking, which you know yeah. uh, I think is a lot. The sober October did not go as well as Zach planned. <laughs> well, I mean, <clears throat> if I may, uh, I'd like to reduce it to mostly sober October. But gotcha. I'm still I'm still taking a break from uh, like tying one on too often. Um, which is actually kind of interesting because today's movie, the subject of today's movie, is is an alcoholic. So. It is. <laughs> There's uh, some, I, I was some thinking, parallels there. I was there. thinking about that. We should have been drinking the entire time. But then if we... Dude, if we try to drink during this cast, we're not going to oh, get shit be bad. done. I know, but I was thinking if we do that, then we're going to have to start doing like <clears throat> every themed movie. If we do like a heroin movie. Oh, no way. Shoot we'll up die if we try to do a Requiem <laughs> for a Dream. You know? It's just real quiet. We're just... Mm, mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, before we jump into this one, did you see uh, any good movies this week? Uh, I've been watching a lot of TV, but I did catch a movie on the Prime, on the Amazon Prime. What was that? Uh, it was called uh, The Grand. It was kind of caught my thing because they mentioned like Spinal Tap and Best in Show, but it's not directed by Christopher Guest. Okay. It was in the style of that. Okay, like a mockumentary? Yeah, it, yeah, it basically is a mockumentary. Um, right. I don't remember who directed it, but it's got a bunch of people. It's got, it's got Kevin, uh, Michael McKean is in it. Okay. Michael McKean. It's got uh, Woody Harrelson. Excellent. Uh, who else? A bunch of different people. Okay. And it was it was basically about a guy, Woody Harrelson, who yep. inherits a casino and just kind of plummets it into the ground. Ooh. The only way he can save it is by entering like a Texas poker tournament. To try to save it? To try to save it. And <laughs> yeah, it was it was like it was fun. And the only Ugh. I think the only good thing about it is that Michael McKean was in it. Mm. And I think that's why they did the whole spinal tap best okay. show thing. Because it's Michael McKean. If you're gonna right, do yeah. a mockumentary, you have to have one of the original guys in it. For sure. Because they're amazing. Yeah, uh, I would probably suggest it. It's to me, it's a hangover movie. It's okay. you know, it's just one of those ones that it's forgettable, but okay. it was it was fun. All I, right, I wouldn't put it up there. What did you see? Uh, I watched. Well, it's it's October, so I watched some classic horror movies. Um, well, classic in my eyes. Watched Candyman with Tony Todd and American Werewolf in Paris, which is the sequel. Yes, uh, to American Werewolf in London, which is far superior to to uh, Paris because Paris is. Yeah, really bad CGI. It's bad CGI, but they were trying at the time for the CGI. Yeah. It looks great. I remember. I think I saw that in theaters. It's a very I remember different going, movie. Oh my god, this is yeah. amazing. Yeah, I think the, one of the biggest things about that movie was the soundtrack with Bush. <laughs> that song "Mouth" uh, was on everybody's mind. Uh, <clears throat> but the biggest, the biggest thing I did see this week was Joker, and don't spoil it for me. Don't spoil it for no anybody else. Zero spoilers. Joaquin Phoenix absolutely kills it in this movie. It's it's a sh it's a really intense and real kind of shocking. Did you, did you see it at our little? Uh, little yeah, I saw it over so here at the, the little twin. one. Yeah. yeah, we have a we have a theater that's like three blocks from my house. It's like eight bucks, not even. I think it's uh, something like that. Yeah, eight dollars. It's like five dollars for a matinee. It's a really small theater. So yeah, it's, it's great. Little art house theater. It's like nice a to go walk see to it. it. This movie felt like a like an art house film. To, well, in a way, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to give too much away. Everyone, go see this movie. I, I was really apprehensive because I thought it was going to be Did some it make, kind like, of ninety-five million dollars opening. Oh, weekend? I don't even it know. Made, it made something really great. It probably it's getting rave reviews. A lot of people had some misgivings about it because they thought it was going to be this sort of like incel Citizen Kane about some you know <laughs> rosebud. 
Well, sort of. But, <laughs> uh, what I mean to say is, like, people were worried about this movie uh, in the sort of, like, social climate that we're in where people go out and do random acts of violence and they thought this was going to be some kind of a they thought it was going to be like a cell for, where it just yeah like oh it's know. okay uh, I don't it's definitely not that it's firmly set in in the comic book world but also super realistic very and, character and driven very character. it's more of a character study yeah. than anything um but just really well acted and I, I recommend it go see it um but yeah that, that's it for anything else I've watched besides this movie here um so and, Barfly. Yeah, why don't you take this one away? Go All right, ahead. so Barfly came out October 16th, 1987, which it kind of fits because the 16th is creeping up on us. Yeah, so it sure is. So it's kind of an October movie. It, the budget was $3 million, mm-hmm. and it only made 30, uh, $3 million, 2000, something like that, 3.2? Uh, yeah, I think it it barely... This was the budget, yeah. yeah. It made three. It cost $3 million, It made a little over $3 million, so... Yeah, and it's it, opening weekend. I think it only made $45,000. Yeah, so. and it... <laughs> The the opening weekend, the only other movie that beat it was called Hope and Glory. I've never seen this one. Never even it's heard of that like one a either. World War II coming of age story, and it only made four million. So it was kind of a rough weekend for eighty uh, <clears throat> seven. But some really good movies came a out. A lot of good movies came out that year. I wrote down a few. There's a lot of them, but you got the a little alliteration here. We got the Princess Bride, Predator, Plane Trains and Automobiles, uh, Full Metal Jacket, <laughs> RoboCop, Lethal nice. Weapon, Spaceballs. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. So eighty seven is. It feels like every time we do this, it's always a really good year. Oh, we, yeah. We need to pick a shitty year for films. A bad year for movies? I don't know if there's like a bad year 1990? for movies. 1990? Well, there's always going to be standouts yeah. every year. But when you have these these banner years like 98 was or even 94, where there's just a plethora of really great films, I'm sure like there's a year out there where maybe like only a handful really did that. <clears throat> Do you want to uh, uh, you want to tell us what this movie is about? Senor? Yeah, I'll be happy to. So this movie is loosely based on um, Charles Bukowski's life during the '60s, '70s, and '80s, uh, and more specifically, it's about this sort of literary alter ego of his, known as Henry Chinaski. Um, and Chinaski in this film is played by one Mickey Rourke. It is who was uh, sexy re- Mickey Rourke, really in the height of his career. Yeah. I think at this point, did did nine and a half weeks already come out? Uh, I think it was before, maybe? Nine and a half, yeah, Nine and a Half Weeks had to be before this. I think so. Because he looks a little younger, Nine and a Half Weeks. Yeah, I think Yeah, I think it was. Nine and a Half was like 86. I, I think it was movie. only a year before. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. All I can remember is the Joe Cocker, you can leave your head on. I, I don't remember you that. remember that? Oh, I re- the, well, I remember that. His the, whole music <laughs> video is basically like the strip scene <laughs> from that film. The, like the food sex scene? No, when she's like, uh, I forget who's in that movie. Kim Basinger. Yeah, Kim Basinger, when she's like doing the sexy dance yeah. with the blinds. Yeah, that's basically the whole music video for You Can Leave Your Head On. It's just that clip from that movie. Barfly and Nine and a Half Weeks were both, were always like side by side in my dad's uh, movie collection, his VHS collection when I was a kid. And I remember waiting close to 18 or 19 years before it. I saw either of these movies. Oh, by the way, this is rated R. There's yeah. Uh, there's some boobies in it, uh, but mostly it's because of language. I think yeah, it's a lot more to do with language and the subject matter. And this just uh, one hour forty minutes, and mm-hmm. I forgot to say, you can, I could not find this on DVD. It is on Vudu. I think I said that last episode. V U D U. Yeah. And I found out if you are not signed up for Vudu and you sign up, put in your credit card, whatever, um, you have seven days to rent a movie, and it's only forty nine cents. So yeah, we paid forty nine cents Half to see this. Half a dollar. And I think uh, I think that forty nine cents was well worth it. I think so too. Sorry, continue with no, your, no, uh, please. Uh, what it's about? We're riffing here. Um, so it was directed by Barbe Schroeder, who is an Iranian-born Swiss director um, who is also known for such popular movies as Single White Female, 
Our Lady of the Assassins, Murder by Numbers, Desperate Measures with Michael Keaton. That's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Before and After, I believe Meryl Streep and Liam Neeson were in that one. Kiss of Death and also Reversal of Fortune, to name a few. Um, and as we said at the top, uh, it is written by Charles Bukowski as well. He did the screenplay. Yeah. And uh, what's the? Well, I don't want to give the uh, tagline away because I think the is tagline tag is that. Well, it's it's the same as in the clip that you have. Oh up, so yeah, yeah. We can talk I'm, about I'm that gonna, later. I'm gonna let Mickey handle yeah. that one. Um. So yeah. It also interestingly, it was released by uh, Canon Group and Golan and Globus. And if you're a, a movie buff of like old B movie and schlock, Canon was films, the shit. Yeah, Canon was really well known for that, specifically when uh, among. Uh, many other really bad movies, which I think these are kinds of movies that are so bad they're good, or at least you get some passing amusement out of them. They're B movies, but people saw them. Right. We're talking to like Masters of the Universe, Delta Force, Invasion USA, uh, Death Wish. There goes part of my glasses. Just fell. <laughs> just fell apart. <laughs> Superman: The Quest for Peace, Over the Top. Um, and you get you get the picture. It's just all those really really terrible movies. I'm gonna fix my glasses, and why don't you take over? <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, Barfly, this is kind of how the uh, the scene opens, and it starts off just like a bar would. Are you having problems there? He's still looking for his, his glasses. <laughs> there, I got it. Is. I got it. <laughs> he, if you don't know, Zach wears like bottle yo, glasses. They're so thick. I am so blind, yo. So the movie starts out and it's basically got some music and it shows all these different bars. And yeah. It's very 80s California. It's like LA. Yeah, it's, it's LA. It's LA. So it's it's pretty upbeat. And this is 87 LA. So this is not like the, if you've been to LA recently, it kind of looks somewhat nice. This is bad LA. Yeah, it looks real seedy. There's all a bunch of neon There's fluorescent no g- lights. gentrification here. This is uh this is pretty yeah. rough. And uh what's what's really good is the uh the the music that you hear that actually bookends the the the, the beginning and the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Uh yeah, it's a song called uh, Hug Her Hip Hip Hug Her by Booker T and the MGs. It was released in 1967. Um and actually most of the music in this is like original source music. There's no original score. So a lot no, of it's yeah, just because selections. he does listen to a lot of classical music in it, which yeah. I think there's a scene that has that too, a couple of the scenes. Yeah. Um, so we're going through all these different things, and at one point you see a guy reading a newspaper. I think it's the in the uh, the Golden Horn, right? That yeah, that's where we end up. Like you see all these exterior you see all these shots, different, different bars that you know. And then we go through the front, front door of the, the Golden Horn. The Golden Horn, which uh, <laughs> what's the tagline of the Golden Horn? It's oh, uh, a, a friendly place. A, yeah, a friendly place, uh, which it is not. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it, th- I did write this down because there's uh, the the bartender who's played by uh, J.C. Quinn, mm-hmm. who I thought was related to Aiden Quinn, but I was incorrect. I still think they look alike, but yeah. to his own. Yeah. Um, he's the the newspaper. It says um, twenty nine to ninety nine dollar flights. You know. Oh like, wow. Yeah, and it was like like transatlantic almost. It was. Holy crow. I don't know. I was, well, it just caught because my wife's a flight attendant. So I just oh, saw yeah. it and I was like, that's really cheap. So the bar is completely empty, too. And it's just the bartender like reading a newspaper. right? Yeah, it, it's just him reading a newspaper. And then we cut to outside. Um, yeah. Uh, Mickey Rourke is getting his ass handed to him. He's just getting beat to shit. And Everybody's outside watching the whole this. bar, the whole bar. And who's beating him up? Uh, Frank Stallone. Yeah, with a beautiful mullet and mustache. Oh yeah, he, he's, uh, he's the gold chains. <laughs> that's and what everything. you. Oh yeah, yeah. That's if you don't know who Frank Stallone is, it is uh, Sylvester Stallone's brother. Yep. Which is weird. He doesn't really have the accent that Sylvester Stallone does. No, I don't. I don't think he does either. And uh, there was a, this was this movie uh, and, a, and a few others that he did in that year were like the first time that he did movies outside of 
anything that, that had his, to do with his, his brother. brother. Yeah. 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 Oh, there's there was a one small scene when we're in the bar before we get to the fight scene. Mm -hmm. uh, a guy walks in with like a really dirty looking hooker. And, uh, oh God! Was that one? It was a uh, uh, twenty bucks for that kind of head. Yeah, and he's like complaining about yeah, it. Yeah, he's like, like, I'll give you fifteen. <laughs> She's like, twenty bucks. Nobody swallows pace like I do. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, and he's oh, Mickey Rourke is bleeding every goddamn word. Yeah. He bleeds a lot. In this he bleeds movie. a lot, and he's and he has this great lazy eye. Um, he's got this protruding like. He walks, Bottom lip. He, he doesn't, throughout the entire film, we never see him shower. His clothes never change. Oh, that's right, yeah. He doesn't take a shower. His clothes never change. He barely eats. And he, like, kind of, he's walking, like, he, he's walking like a really drunk John Wayne, but I think it's because he hasn't showered. Maybe he's just got, I mean, talk about a, little, a rash. Yeah, no you know, shit. Like he's got some chub rub going yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in that, and do, do you want to talk about the, the Henry character? Yeah, uh, okay. Henry Chinoski is, is, uh, sort of this alter ego, literary alter ego, or in this case, in, in a movie form, of like Bukowski, where he's just this, uh, how would you put it, a uh, poetic Popeye? I see, yeah, poetic Popeye is what I wrote down, because he looks like Popeye, but yeah. he's, he's a poet. Yeah, and he's he's got a lot of love for the arts, but this complete disdain for society and societal norms, and he's just a, a drunk who just wants to drink and, and, and uh, eschew the uh, fucking, you know, modern life. <laughs> And, uh, and and this is a Bukowski character that he writes consistently yeah. about, correct? Yeah, there's there's a couple of different. I didn't I didn't get everything down about Bukowski or this character. Yeah, because I mean, there's books. I mean, this guy is. He appears in like I want to say five to six different novels. Yeah, different stories and everything. Um, and this being one of them. In fact, I think that after the experiences he had on this movie, he novelized it in a book called Hollywood. Which came out, I think, later that decade or shortly thereafter. And a lot of these uh, filming locations are actual places that Butaski used to hang out in. Right. Like yeah. Um, after he gets his ass handed to him, mm -hmm. uh, he does. Uh, he steals a guy's sandwich. Yeah, he steals this dude's sandwich at the bar. He's like, he's like, I need fuel. I, I gotta refuel. Fuel. Yeah. And he, he never just... he never pays for any drinks. Uh, there's like that old crotchety lady sitting at the end of the bar. She's yeah. In a few scenes, but she's kind of like. She's got a lot of good. She's lines. not like the lonely heart. She's just that everyone has been to a bar and just seen the the older style lady drunk that just sits there and is like, "You never pay for it." Yeah, you're a piece of she shit. She looks at everything you know? with disdain. What, what's the line she says to him? She says, "Last time you paid for a drink was, was the, the first, first time." time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we follow uh, we follow Henry, who's Mickey Rook's character, mm -hmm. into his apartment. Yes. And in his apartment, it's this rundown shack squalor. I mean, yeah, like people are dead on the side of the road type of stuff and uh he starts playing classical music and this is the first time so it's we, like shadow boxing to classical music this is the first time we get any kind of not real character development sort of but like we a kind context of get a, we get a little context of who he is and we find out that he is a poet mm -hmm. and uh this film really is like being a drunk the way that it's shot it really it has no major plot right. line <clears throat> it's just following this drunk around in yeah. his, his life the and movie meanders a lot like the main character does exactly where he's just kind of meandering uh for lack of a better word through life and so too does the movie and the plot because there's no real driving force behind any of it you're just kind of watching this guy exist so he's hammered and he starts playing classical music and he sits down he starts writing this down and this is kind of his voice over narration so he is drunk but you'll realize that his his voice is not and here we go some people never go crazy what truly horrible lives they must live.
just a little little section because yeah. there's only a couple <clears throat> spots of poetry. But the way he talks in in the film, which I think we have the next clip I play later, you'll kind of yeah. get the the cadence of his voice and how yeah. real shit faced he is. You know what's cool too is I actually looked up a, an interview or just to hear Bukowski speak, and it's pretty closely mimics like approximation. That's that's what I heard that uh, of that his, Mickey Rourke tried his yeah. best to just be yeah as much as he could that character. The the sort of like little vocal inflection he has where he goes mm, like that's very like like a Bukowski sort of like mannerism or, or uh, like whatever uh, vocal now, sound <laughs> after he starts writing stuff down he uh, he has to use the, the shitter and, yeah. and he leaves so this is you know in, is it like a communal restroom it, is that the kind of yeah, apartment yeah it's because it's you know it's an older building so there's only like one bathroom per floor and everyone oh, has yeah. to kind of share so when he leaves we meet this random dude we have no idea who he is but he breaks into Henry's mm -hmm. uh, little apartment, his little, pad. his little pad, and starts uh, thumbing through his poetry, and he's yeah, taking he, pictures of it like a microfilm yeah. spy type of thing. And this is Jack Nance. Yeah, the, the actor. The actor Jack Nance, yeah. yeah. Who, uh, uh, unfortunately, he has passed away since then, I think recently as well. Um, but he uh, was in, well, we'll talk about his connections in just a minute. So, yeah. so he goes in, takes a bunch of things, and um, when... <clears throat> Henry comes back out of the bathroom. He realizes his door is locked. And he's like, what the hell? So he kind of kicks open the door and he realizes yeah. he's it's the wrong room. Yeah. And what does he do? He goes in. He steals like a giant bottle of liquor. Steals and a package of bologna and some yep. bread. He basically just raids yeah. some random like, person's mm. apartment. Mm. Well, I'm here. Yeah. And just takes it. And then while he's doing that, the Jack Dance character, um, who we find out is a detective. I'll basically just yeah. say that. He's a detective. So he's um, a private detective. Yeah. P.I. Uh, that is, I think, hired by the Tully Sorensen character. Tully Sorensen, which we'll get we to. We haven't met her we yet, haven't met so her we'll yet. come we'll to, to that. Her. Yeah. And uh, the, he goes back in his room and basically kind of um, passes out for a little <clears> bit. <throat> and then and then we go back to the bar. Yeah, so he, he comes he comes to, and, and you see this, this is where you really start to see that the... When he's sober, he actually, his mind is somewhat there. Yeah, he's, a, he's, little, he's a little more clear, coherent. He's still, he's still got that voice. But he's always like perpetually hungover and or drunk. And but consistently, you can see like, that he starts cleaning up the room a little bit, mm -hmm. and, and he's not stumbling around. But the minute right. he's sober, what does he do? He goes straight back straight to the bar. Straight to the bar. Straight yep. to the bar. And uh, this is where he he goes back to the bar, and he doesn't really have any money. So, and uh, by the way, uh, Frank Stallone is one of the bartenders. Yeah, he's like the nighttime bartender. Well, he's the guy he was fighting at the beginning. At the beginning, yeah. and he goes in. The bar is full, and uh, he gets another beer. Doesn't pay for it, and <laughs> he uh, starts immediately talking shit. Yeah, to I know Frank what Stallone. he says, but I'm like, I don't know if I if I'm gonna piss anybody off by saying the word. I mean, I mean we uh, are an eighteen and up. This is this is straight from gee the whiz. So he's like, hey, barkeep, barkeep, get over here. Get I over gotta here. tell you something. Come in closer. Yeah, come here. You with the dirty rag. Come here. Yeah, come here. <laughs> that's and, pretty and good. He, that's he, pretty yeah, good. Come here. Come here. He gets real close. He goes, they ever tell you your mother's cunt smells like carpet cleaner? <laughs> and then he's like, I'm gonna kick your ass again. He's so, like, let's go outside. And then what happens? They go back outside. Well, no. Before he does that, Frank Stallone like. Um, Runs out from behind oh, the bar, yeah. and then he jumps, and then he over, jumps, Henry over, jumps the bar over the bar and pours himself a damn beer. No, he, he he hits the tap and then starts drinking out of it like he would like as a kid at a Slurpee machine. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and then he goes outside, and this time and uh, another fight ensues. Yeah, the, the the gym, the bartender is J C Quinn, who kind of is like the bar manager. Um, he starts collect. He's like, yeah, I'll take uh, ten dollars on. Yeah, they you start know, making the bets. They start making bets in the back, and yeah. Mickey Rourke kicks the shit out of. Yeah, he beats his ass. Beats his ass. You actually see a couple of different characters uh, in the group, uh, other actors who went on to become, you know, more, oh, more prominent films. Yeah, you had Pruitt Taylor Vince. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we discussed that. Did we? Yeah. When the, You're like, oh, is that Pruitt Taylor Vince? Oh, you mean when we were watching we it? We were not, watching not, it. Not on the, no, the not show now, so yeah. far. 
So you see him, and then you also see um, I, I, I didn't Maybe write he's down. Young he, in that one he's, too. He's got hair. Yeah, he's got hair. Now he's, he's not. Kind, now, now he's, he's kind of a little bald, thicker and kind of, bald. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you might remember him from movies like Identity. Um, I, I believe he was in Jacob's Ladder uh, in I a small know. role. Um, he was also in uh, Constantine. He was his, his buddy who like could uh, had like a uh, psychic abilities. He could run his hands over newspapers and shit. Yeah, that, that was a pretty good one. Um, but you also see the woman. I I didn't write down this actress's name, but she plays Max Mom in Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But she's always had this like short haircut. Yeah, like, yeah, kind yeah. Of, like, kind of like that a way, butch like, He haircut. was making connections all over the place when we were watching. This. Yeah. Well, you see her, and then and then uh, they go back into the bar. He's all bloody, and he gets another drink. And I forget how he, much he said the drinks were, but I was wondering how much were drinks in 1987. Yeah, I think we tried looking that up, but it was it wasn't that much. I think like, it was like fifty four, cents for a glass. 50 cents? I don't remember what they said. A dollar. It was, it was a dollar and change. Two dollars. I think it was a dollar and change for a goddamn beer. Well, I mean, dude, the some of the bars I work at, it's like a dollar seventy five for you know. Yeah, even beer, yeah, by so today's standard, yeah, I, I think guess it was a little true. cheaper. That's crazy. So How can you be perpetually broke? Well, I guess uh, there was you got to adjust for inflation, right? Yeah, and and he's a starving artist, poet type thing, which we'll true, get to yeah, a yeah. later about that. Well, he wins the fight, but he ends up kind of leaving the bar, and then Jim, yeah. the bartender, the J.C. Quinn character, gives him the winnings. He's like, yeah. take, take this money. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, man, no, nah, no. Nah. And so he's like, okay. And he only takes like $3. Yeah, out of yeah, like, yeah. Dude, the guy had like probably 100 bucks in his hand. And he's like, I'll just take a couple yeah, bucks. Yeah, just take yeah. a couple. Yeah, yeah. So he moves to a different bar <coughs> called the Kenmore Bar. Yeah. And uh, he walks in. He sits down. There's only about four people in there. There's three guys. And one of them is Butowski. Yeah. Uh, he Butowski's does, sitting at the bar. He's got a little cameo there. Uh, uh, Buk- How do you say it again? The Buk- Bukowski. I Bukowski. Keep saying, I, I, keep putting Bukowski? A tea, I keep putting a T in there with Bukowski. It's uh, yeah, Bukowski. Bukowski. I, brought, I actually brought... I have a Bukowski book? book in my collection. It's Notes of a Dirty Old Man from 69. You're a dirty old man. I forgot. Yeah, I'm going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I forgot that I had it. And so it's been interesting, like, revisiting this movie uh, because it's kind of reintroducing me to Bukowski and I actually was gifted this book from a little shout out to a friend of mine uh, named Jared Temple who I met and worked with in Alaska and he was an interesting guy himself very very Bukowski-esque in his own right Uh, and he gifted me that book so Jared if you ever listen to this episode thanks very much and uh, I love you and miss you brother and we're in the bar, and he's he, he's sitting at the very end of the bar, and he's talking to the bartender. And he's like, "Hey, who's the girl over there?" And he, this is where we see Faith yeah, Dunaway. Yeah, she looks, looks like a distressed, yes, distressed princess, goddess, or something. goddess, distressed yeah. goddess. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he he takes his glass, and you know he meanders in his little sway that he does, and he sits next to Faith Dunaway. Yeah, and they're like, "Why doesn't anybody ever sit next to him?" Well, she's crazy. Yeah, she's oh, crazy. I like crazy. Crazy, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like crazy. And he goes and sits uh, next to her, and this is uh, this is the clip. I can't stand people. I hate them. Oh yeah. You hate them. No, but I seem to feel better when they're not around. Hey, barkeep, uh, who's got you in waters? I'm gonna ask you the same damn thing. People are always asking me. Like? Like, what do you do? I drink.
So yeah, it, so you get a little bit of a, a Mickey Rourke's voice yeah. in this, and Faye Dunaway. And Faye Dunaway was like eleven years older than yeah, him in this. Yeah, I think so. I think Rourke's like six or seventy now or something. Oh, he's up there in age because he was probably thirty-five, thirty-six, maybe in this movie. I would say he's in his thirties. I can't do the math. He's he's definitely over mid-thirties. And uh, th- that clip kind of sets up the the tone of this movie. Yeah. Of that, it's it is very just drawn mm-hmm. and. I, I just I like his cadence the way he I do too. I, I I really I did notice it as much before watching the movie, but now listening to it, I love that little organ in the background. Yeah, and that's that's throughout the movie. You hear it's, all these this different kind of music. It's just, sort of like uh, it sets this this not monotone feel, yeah. but just this this kind of laid back. Like yeah. you're drunk, like the yeah. whole movie. It's yeah. just yeah, man. And then there Wonder, are there are some scenes where there's like some the fighting and yeah. then Faye Dunaway and him arguing. Yeah, and. Uh, so they end up just leaving the bar together. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you want to get out of here? I do remember, like, during this scene, yeah. um, thinking, uh, well, everyone's, like, drinking high life, and they all look super strung out. And I'm wondering if that was, like, just really good makeup effects or if there's a little bit of method behind that. Maybe, like, they stayed up. Because I know Charlie Sheen stayed up for a full 48 hours to do the scene in Ferris Bueller. Oh, yeah, where, that where he's, like, all strung out. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how much of the, what these actors might may or may not have done to do achieve think, that look. Do you look? think maybe they just grabbed some people from bars? They definitely did. I, there was a piece of trivia where they where they actually got uh, some random wino on the streets of L.A. and put him in put the background in, of a shot. There is a there is a scene in this section where they're sitting next to each other. No, no, that's uh, that's later on. The guy yeah. does the scarf thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we're coming up on that. No, I, th- is it, I think it's this scene. Well, the or was it at the very it, end? Well, they go back to the Golden Horn for that. Was that the Golden Horn? Okay. Yeah, it's after they met. Because right after this, they do fucking downs a scotch like it's yeah, nothing. Yeah, they and then uh, they go to a um, they go to a little convenience, they go to a little convenience store. store, and the guy knows her, and her name is Wanda. Yeah, and uh, she she has all this stuff, and. She's like, oh, I'll charge it to Wilbur Evans. So we mm. don't really know who Wilbur is. We're like, maybe it's her husband. Sort of like a beneficiary. Yeah, like a sugar daddy. Yeah, but then we, we realize, don't know that. Yeah, yet. we don't know that yet. But um, it was like, I wrote down $23.80 is how much it was. And yeah. he has to call Wilbur. It's like, she's back. Well, Wanda's yeah. here. And <laughs> so they get charged and they, they stumble back to her place and there's. Uh, like kind of a community garden, but it's really it's corn. It's yeah, a corn community garden. I, I was wondering, like, is that a thing too? If anybody lives in these like major urban areas, probably like, they can grow their own shit. Are this is there urban corn? I don't know. Urban corn. I, I mean, don't know. We have a community garden like a couple blocks away from here. Yeah, but, that's true. There is one over yeah. there, isn't there? But it's like just this corn, and she's like, I want corn. I love she goes, corn. Oh, I love corn. And she goes, she's picking it, and he's like, it's green. You can't pick that. You can't. It's you, green. It's green. You can't do it. And she's just, she's just shoving this stuff in her, um, in, in her, her purse. In her purse. She's just shoving. She's got booze and, and smoke like, and corn. It's not gonna go. And then what, who pulls up? The police. Cops. And now this is like very uh, social commentary on 1987. Yeah. L.A. police. So they're chasing them. And they say, stop or, or we'll, we'll fire. fire. Like, they're just going to whip out their guns and just beat Rodney King to death. Like, Ooh. Well, that was a few years soon? later. Yes, later. Well, it was L.A. too. There it was, was L.A. That was a big problem. We could talk for days about the controversies, like, with, with police and police brutality. But we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna focus here on this movie. So they, the cops <laughs> chase her. They go up to, into, to Wanda's apartment. And uh, they're trying to be all quiet. Because he's like, they could be camping out outside, yeah, you know? you got to stay real quiet. He kind of repeats a line here, too, that they said at the bar. What does he say? Well, she says, do you hate cops? And he said, no, but it seemed to feel better when they're not no, around. No, he said people. She said, yeah, I know, but he says it again oh, about it cops. Again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the not around part. Yeah. And uh, she starts getting real quiet. She goes and starts cooking the uh, the corn, 
Yeah. And then she brings it back. He's got the scotch and he's pouring yeah. it. And she tries to eat the corn and he's like, I told you it was bad. Scream. And she just breaks down like crying. Just real drunk despair. Yeah. And then she's like, um, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to sleep. Yeah. And she goes and lays down. And then he instantly just starts taking off his pants. Yeah. And he slips into bed with her. Right? He, oh, no. No, he lays on the couch. He right? lays on the couch and uh, then slips into bed. With yeah, her. that's right. And then when they wake up, she's sober and he's kind of sober. Yeah. And she's like, wasn't it good for you, lover type of thing? And yeah, he doesn't yeah. remember having like sex with her yeah. or anything. We don't see it. it you just, don't see it at all. It just, just goes implied. straight from sleep to morning. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, 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 implying in this. There's a lot of those yeah. kinds of scenes. And then uh, the phone starts ringing, and uh, she answers, and it's the the Wilbur Evans yeah. guy. Yeah. And she's like, blah, blah, blah. You know what, Wilbur? I don't need you. Uh, my boyfriend's a wrestler. Yeah, you he's know? a crazy beer-drinking wrestler. Yeah, far- <laughs> and, he and he farts, farts a lot. <laughs> he farts a lot. He's like, I'm a crazy beer-drinking wrestler. Yeah, but he does. He, like, squats no, down. He gets on the phone, right? Oh, yeah, he's, and like, and he's hey, like, hey, Wilbur, listen. I'm going to kick uh, your face in. Uh, you call here again. I'm going to come down there. I'm going to tap dance on your skull. <laughs> it says something like that, and then the rest of the scene is just a whole lot of flirting and drinking. Yeah, flirting. And drink. Well, they go back to Henry's Faye Dunaway's place. Legs. She gives him a key. They go back to his place uh, with all of his equipment, all of his stuff from his house. Basically. Yeah. Oh, that's right. And and I think it's after this that they go to his bar together. Yeah, this they, is go where they, go, they go to the Golden Horn for like a, a hot second. Hey, can you yeah. hold on to this stuff for me? Oh wait, doesn't he have a check? Or he gets a he gets a tax return. He gets a check. tax return. Yeah. that uh, can be cashed at the bar. Yeah, he cashed a check at a bar. Was that a? Uh, if anyone's listening, who was. Drinking in the 80s, uh, let us know. Is that a thing? Could you cash checks in bars? I know people back then paid with checks more often than they do now. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of things that, you and know. Now, when, when he's cashing the check, when they're leaving the bar, we see um, Tolly and. And the Jack Nance and, character yeah, like, the, waiting the in the car. No, no, they, they come into the bar and then he just kind of looks at oh, her and then walks away. And walks like, doesn't away. even recognize her, nothing. And it's right before that that we see the uh, scarf shot technique. Oh yeah, so they're sitting down and uh, they, you know, they, they have some money because he just got a check. And this old man sits down and he wants like a shot, and you can tell he's really wasted. And he gets like a shot of like Jameson or whatever. Yeah. And he tries to shoot it with his hand, but his he's, hand is shaking too yeah, much. He's he can't got a lift lot of it. Shake. So they're talking, and the camera is just on this guy, and he wraps a scarf around his neck, wraps it around his hand, and does like a pulley system. Yeah. To get the to drink pull the drink to his mouth. To it, and it's just, I mean, it, you're just watching it, going, "What is this?" Oh, and it's really funny. It's a great. Oh, and this is all the while Henry's looking at classifieds. He's like, "I got a little money. Yeah, I'm gonna try to get a job." Thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and then he attempts to go get a job and, and he fails. Pretty much fails like yeah. immediately. And, he, and he, oh yeah, he's a leg man. I love legs. Yeah. You stay at your legs all day, and and he's getting this job interview, and <laughs> she's like, "You didn't write down." Your sex, and he's like, "Well, I guess he could put down mail." And he's like, basically, he just bombs this interview. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's just hitting on her too, which is real creepy. And then uh, we basically, he comes back, right? And uh, he realizes he comes back to the bar, and uh, J.C. Quinn, uh, the yeah. bartender, tells him that because um, uh, at one point Wanda says. Uh, you get a little more commentary out of him in this too before he talks about yeah, Wanda. Well, he's like, wa- everyone's got to be something. Well, Wanda, Wanda one time says like, you know, he's like, you will never leave me, right? She's yeah. like, you know, sometimes if you have a bottle, I'll leave. If a guy anybody. shows up with a fifth. But, yeah, if guy shows up with a fifth. I'm gone. I just might leave with I him. Might yeah. leave. And then we find out that uh, Wanda left with Eddie, and uh, Eddie is Eddie is Frank's, Frank Stallone's, Stallone's character. character yeah. um, while Henry was job hunting, you know, so yeah, you know, what a bitch. It sort of breaks his heart a little bit, and I think it, it goes back to her place. He goes to sleep. Um, and then when she returns in the morning, Henry is clearly upset. He's being real sarcastic. He hates Eddie, and he's like, why has it got to be Eddie? Well, she comes home, and she takes an aspirin with scotch. Yeah. That's all that. That's tough. And then they get into the argument, 
and she bludgeons him. Wait, doesn't he? Oh, wait, he did, he he starts giving the he says something about Eddie later in the film. So yeah, he she hits him in the head and he bleeds bleeding all over the place. Like there must have been what a was in brick? her purse? I don't know, yeah. like a brick or something or a bottle, corn, corn, <laughs> lots of green corn. Yeah, I don't know, but like he falls over and the paramedics show up. And this is kind of a little running gag, which I guess kind of, again, a little social commentary mm-hmm. on the L.A. at the time. The paramedics show up and it, all they have is a um, they have a, a body bag. Yeah. And one of them is wearing sunglasses and Super smoking a cigarette. 80s, yeah. And he's like, he's got a mullet and he's just where's like, the dead body. Don't Where, give a shit. They, they budge it in. Where's the body? Where's the body? He's like, there's no body. Just me. He's, he's like, bleeding everywhere. He's, yeah. Right he's, in, he's and they're, they're doing from the head next to nothing to help him with this bleeding. Yeah. No body. Well, whatever. Sign here. And then they just walk away. They just leave. Um, before, uh, there was a line that I really liked from him before, like Wanda smashed him on the head and he's like, well, I guess what we had was just green corn, <laughs> which is a reference to uh, a connection to popular culture. If you're a big fan of, uh, punk rock, like, uh, no effects, the song green corn from no effects, album ribbed from 1991 is based on that part of the movie. And well, there's even, that. there's even lyrics in the uh, song that say, um, what does he say? Tully baby. You're trapped behind your golden bars. I'm the prince of poverty hanging out in bars. Maybe what we had was just green corn. And I actually remember that song real well before I made that connection here. So that's fun. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard the song. So I guess I have to listen to it. I think you'll like it. Yeah. So the paramedics show up and then um, we find out that he he throws out all of Wanda's clothes out the window. Yeah. Basically. And uh, so like a a scorned lover would. Yep. Uh. Is this the paramedics show up? Yeah, me too. He's bleeding everywhere. He's drunk as fuck. Paramedics uh, sleeps it off. Get some sleep was the all the paramedics said to him. Oh no! The reason the paramedics showed up is because um, the PI shows up. Oh, that's right. PI shows up at Wanda's house and he's like asking him questions and he just slams the door in his face. Yeah, he calls the paramedics because he's all blood like all over the place. Yeah, he's all like shit. Uh, And I think he's he's awoken or he passes out drunk, full of blood, like in the bed. And he's woken up by this sort of domestic disturbance because the neighbors are hollering, yeah, they're all hollering <laughs> and yelling and screaming, screaming at each other. At each other, you feel, you feel like it's a domestic uh, abuse. <coughs> sounds situation. like that. It sounds yeah. like it, but we find out later that it's not. Um, and and, and as, he, as he gets up, you can tell that he hasn't bathed or eaten in a while again. And and this is when you sort of see when he's sober, he's a little more pleasant and, and verbose. Yeah, he starts he starts writing a little more uh, poetry. And he makes a well, he, he's on the phone with Wanda because Wanda calls him right. And she's like, can I come back? Or something to that effect. And yeah, he, and he like, gives oh, her this, like, Tolstoy quote about women. Yeah, and then, oh, what does he say? Did you write it down? I didn't I didn't write all oh. that down, no. Yeah, he, um, he says a pretty good line in that yeah. one. Um, and he uh, he runs out downstairs and grabs all of her clothes that he threw out the yeah, window. Yeah, he's he got to fix it. <laughs> just starts shoving everything into the... the Ooh, when yeah. he calls the paramedics at one point in the movie, he gives him the wrong address. He says, like, 634, but when you're outside and he's picking up shit, you can see that the, the uh, address is clearly 650 or something. It's different. Oh, okay. It's very different. It's just a little minor continuity error, but you, you can see it when that when that happens. Yeah, want to come home? Everything's great. They kind of make up, and then she's got beer. Yeah, of and course. she uh, and then that night she like drinks and she starts yeah. freaking out. Yeah, like I saw an angel and yeah, like you know alcohol poisoning almost. And so he calls the paramedics again, again. <laughs> and the same two douchebags show up. All right, they are and annoyed. What do they have in their hand a body bag. Because yep. I guess every time they come to this, you know, seedy part of town, that's they're just yeah. gonna pick up a body. They and they mention they're like, uh, you know how much this costs taxpayers, taxpayers every time you do this, and I'm like, they aren't directly billed. 
I, like like today? I think maybe it was like a Medicare situation type of thing. Again, another like question about yeah. how the 80s were or what things were like in the 80s. And, and the, you see a lot more of their relationship with each other is just them enabling their, their drunken tendencies. And then each she, other, She's yeah. like passed out in the bed. And then one of the guys is like, can't you see, you know, she's, she's drunk and fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She like wakes right up. She's like, "He call me fat." Yeah, right when they leave. Right when yeah. they leave. Yeah, and, and she's not fat in this movie. I mean, no, it's certainly not. Yeah. Looks just like you know. She's actually pretty good looking, despite being a total <laughs> fall down drunk. Exactly. And she's like, "Can you believe that guy called me fat?" And then they she takes a bath. I mean, this movie is it's really just the life of a drunk. It's just so sporadic yeah. and it's all a, over the place. It's a it's a slice of life sort of thing. Dude. You don't really like get any any sense of purpose. It's almost it's really bleak in that regard too, because you're watching. You're like, what's What's your purpose here? Well, like, what, what's your, what's what's existence? If if that is your existence, is just kind of eking by, barely eating anything, and, green corn, and that and just night, boozing. That night, the phone rings, and uh, Tolly Sorensen, who we still don't know who the hell she is, right? She's uh, just sort of like following who's and the watching. The actress he plays Tolly. Uh, that's Alice Creege. Alice Creege. Okay. She um she calls. He keeps hanging up the phone on her. Mm-hmm. Well, when in the morning after the ambulance fake out with Wanda, she decides, oh, I saw the angel, you know, I got to get my life in order. So yeah. she goes to try to find a job. Yeah, and that's the next morning. They go out together. That's where you see the wino. <laughs> I think one of those guys outside the, the uh, apartment, apartment was like a real wino that they got off the street. So, oh, also, uh, yeah. Alice Creed, just for a few connections. Alice Creed is is an actress who you may have seen in uh, like she was the villain in um, Silent Hill. The one that got ripped apart yeah, by all yeah, the yeah. barbed wire at the end. Her, her face looks really familiar. Oh, yeah. Her. She's been everywhere. She was in uh, a Star Trek of Insurrection, I want to say. No, the one with the Borg. The movie with the Borg, where she's like the Borg queen. I was never a huge Star Trek guy. Oh, well, she's in that. And also, there are there are two connections to Dune in this. And I'm a massive you and your Dune. Dune. I love Dune, bro. So Jack <laughs> Nance... Jack Nance, who played the P.I. with Tully Sorensen, played by Alice Creech, were both separately in different Dune productions. Alice Creech played um, uh, Lady Jessica in uh, the 2000 miniseries version on the Sci-Fi Channel. And Jack Nance played one of the um, henchmen for the Baron Harkonnen in the 1984 production by David Lynch. So there's that. Nice. Well, I'm going to do a quick little commercial here. We'll be back here in just a second. Okay. That wasn't it. That's the completely <laughs> wrong one. Mm. We got a new sound pad. I'm trying to figure all this stuff out. So here we go. Hi, everybody. Just a quick little announcement. If you want to follow us on all of our social media and your social media, go to www.duckintheusher.com. That is D-U-C-K-I-N, The Usher. On there, you'll be able to see all of our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter links, and also a uh, support the show option, which makes you become a Patreon member, a patron of our show, kind of helps us get some donations so we can continue bringing you the content you deserve and helping us kind of update our equipment as we go on in this venture. So back to the episode. So after the she goes to work, we actually meet uh, Tully yeah. Swanson, which I, that was the clip that was just about to play. Yeah, we're coming up on that. Yeah, I'm we're coming up on that. I'm trying to make sure my, my notes right are in notes the there. right place here. Okay, we, yeah, here I am. Yeah, okay. we come up on, so Tolly knocks on the door, and she's very pretty. She's very beautiful. Yeah, and she's red hair. He, he looks at her like he's never met this woman in his entire life, but he's already seen her a couple mm-hmm. of times throughout the movie. And uh, the conversation they have, we find out that she owns a magazine. She's like, it's like an artistic. She's a uh, 
She, she's a publisher. She's like a producer, publisher for uh, a magazine. Editor, yeah. Editor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Head editor or whatever. Something like that. She owns a magazine, and I guess he's been submitting poetry to this magazine. And forgot. And just forgot about it. Because he's a goddamn drunk. And, uh, <laughs> you know, she, she ends up publishing one of his stories and wants to give him money. Yeah. And he's like... And well, he, she, she fancies yeah. him as this, like... This like, art super talented writer that is like the one off, like, uh, you know, uh, sort of struggling artist who, who's waiting to be discovered and she thinks she has something on her hand. So that's why that's she's why she, so persistent in, and she in hired pursuing the, the PI him. to find him and all this stuff. And she sort of like romanticizes his lifestyle and, and, and sees because him as it, this because she's such higher class and yeah. he's bottom of the barrel that, you know, it's that that starving artist. Like, yeah, I can. Make I can you discover something. you, yeah, yeah exactly. and bring you out. And what's she? He invites her into the apartment, and before you, before that, there's a random shot of this guy carrying in a live chicken into the the neighbor. Oh yeah, remember that? Yeah, there's like, got a ram, random ass live live chicken, and, <laughs> and he's struggling with it, and they and that's and they just, it's it, and they just go into the the room, just part of the movie in the background, which well, is really strange. They're hungry, you know, they probably just caught a straight chicken, and yeah, just they murder it. In the... Is there is there a small farm next to that green corn field? <laughs> Um, so yeah, we, then we find out, uh, through meeting Tolly Sorensen that, um, he had submitted dozens of stories and poems. Yeah. Like for, for years. Yeah. Is what it seems like. And she, she basically comes in and offers him a check for one of the ones that they did publish or are going to publish. Already published. Okay. And it was about $500 for something like that. Yeah. 500 bucks. And here's, here's a little clip between Tolly and, uh, Henry. an idea that I'd be discovered after my death. You look well on the way. You might beat our deadline. Hey, what's with this deadline crap, huh? Don't you remember it? You've sent us dozens of stories. You can't be that out of it. Uh, I don't think so. Why did you send your stuff to us? Well, I like the title of the mag. It boggled my scrotum. Why don't you stop drinking? Anybody can be a drunk. <sighs> Anybody can be a non-drunk. It takes a special talent to be a drunk. It takes endurance. Endurance is more important than truth. <laughs> and when when, when Tolly comes into the to the the apartment, he mm -hmm. offers her a beer, and she's like, "Yeah, oh yes, I'd love a beer." You know, like oh, she, really? she's already <clears throat> infatuated because his, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. his poetry is so just artistically amazing and yeah. and, and and deep yeah. that you know she doesn't really care she's that this guy confused is confused by the fact that he, that he just, lives such a way that he could produce such uh, art. Um, and I think this is is it the point where they're interrupted by the neighbors again? We yeah, hear the domestic yeah, this disturbance. Is so we hear the domestic disturbance, and it, the neighbors throughout the it because they're in Wanda's apartment. Yeah, and. Uh, the domestic disturbance. You keep hearing like this guy, like I'm gonna beat you. And at one yeah. point, Wanda says, like, "Oh, the guy's been in jail like six He's times. Killed He's a guy. killed a guy or something like that." <laughs> and so Henry, Henry's like, "One moment." And then he goes in and he just yeah. starts kicking the door down. And, and he's like, hey. And then you see it's a really fragile old man who's yeah. got to be like in his 70s with his wife. Yeah. And he's like, They Stop. look just as haggard and yeah, fucking tore down as anybody up, else. Like, yeah. everything. I mean, because it's, it's, a, it's a slum den. Like, yeah, it, it really is. And they kick down the door and he starts yelling at us, like, Stop beating her and blah, blah. And he's yeah. like, he, She likes it. She likes it. And <laughs> even the old lady sits up and she's like, Yeah. Oh, you mind your own fucking business. Yeah. And when you find out it's just their kink. Yeah, it's just they're kink, they're kinky old people, <laughs> and the guy's like, "Fuck you!" And the old man grabs a knife and yeah. tries to like stab uh, Henry, 
and Henry ends up like getting away, but the old man gets knifed in the stomach yeah. or something. And he's, he's like, like, oh, we got to get out of here. And then he calls the ambulance. He calls the ambulance again. Yeah, he calls the same paramedics and they don't believe him. They don't believe him. He's like, just get the fuck down here. Yeah. And so they, they end up leaving. They're like, we got to get out of here. And they hop into Tully Swanson's like super nice car. It's got a nice car. Yeah. What was it like a Volvo or some shit? Uh, I don't even know. I think it was a Mercedes. Was it a Mercedes? It was a Mercedes. Okay. And they're driving around town. And because he, he's like, I can't cash this check because he always cashes the check at the bars. Yeah. And he's like, this is way too much way money. Way too much. Yeah. So they end up driving to like the bank. Oh, yeah. She takes him to, to the, the bank. bank. Right? Yeah, and then I think while she's in the bank, he he hops in the driver's seat, like Yo. backs up to the hooker. Yeah, yeah. What is she, I got? I wrote down what she said. What Hang she on. Say? She says, <laughs> "Hooker, oh, we see a big Spaceballs billboard too." Oh yeah, behind him, it's like 1987, big yeah. Spaceballs. So this hooker comes up and he's like, "Hey," she goes, "I'll, I'll suck you to your asshole rumbles like a volcano." <laughs> Uh, and then and then he's like and he pulls away and picks up Tully and then the hooker the thinks hooker screaming at him the hooker like yeah and so uh, when they're driving around uh, uh, Tully is just you can tell that she's super infatuated yeah with him. and she knows all about him she knows everything is, about him she's mm-hmm. had this PI just and she's clearly attracted around. to him which is weird because he still looks just as disheveled from the beginning and, uh, he I bet he smells yeah smells he, I mean he's got a big massive head wound and it seems like he has this like uh, like fat had, lip well, like, like the whole time his, if he has a line down the middle of his lip like where it's split yeah you know because he got his ass beat at the oh, yeah, beginning of the movie oh yeah he fights constantly and uh, there's one scene when they're in traffic like a little road rage a little yeah he gets a little road rage because some guy's driving like this little Miata type yeah. car and they're just making out in the front and he just keeps talking missing about the green light it. yeah missing the <clears> green light and finally the guy's like fuck you and well, he said, I can't stand it. Unoriginal exhibition. Ex- exhibitionism. Ex- yeah. And so he starts ramming the car. And then I love when the guy gets out of his car and then he gets yeah. out. And, he's and all, does this like Popeye stance yeah, thing. That's why I put what a Popeye. Yeah. And, the, and the, the super nice looking nope. dude's like, nope, gets back in his car. <laughs> <laughs> and this is sort of when he's going off about Eddie. And he's like, I can't stand him. He, he represents everything I hate. Unoriginal macho energy. Yeah. Like, shit like that. I mean, this movie, even though it's an hour and 40 minutes, it seems like it goes by really quickly. It goes pretty quick, yeah. Um, so, that, yeah, they're driving around. And then they go, they head into the hills, right? Yeah, they head into the hills. They go to Tully's house. Um, it's an extremely nice house. It's and large. you can definitely tell they're in the Hollywood Hills because yeah. uh, of where they're driving. It's large and opulent. And uh, they pull in, you know, glass tables, and they just get mm-hmm. shit-faced together. She brings out a bottle, which also happens to be the same damn scotch that they were drinking over in their yeah, squalid apartment. Yeah, it seems like there's only one kind of scotch in yeah. LA. I think it's just a prop bottle. It's like Heisler beer and in, in sitcoms. Um, let me see. Sex. They get drunk. Um, yeah, he, yeah, gets drunk, and you can tell she's infatuated with him. She's trying to kind of seduce him. She wants what she's really trying to do is uh, take him out of his lifestyle and right. and, and, and bring, bring her into, her into hers. His, yeah, into hers and and show off her like trophy artist. Exactly. Yeah. And she gets drunk. They end up sleeping together. Yeah. Um, so he basically she really what, can't keep up. Either. Yeah. So like what Wanda did to him, he now is doing to Wanda. Right. So it's that whole they're the same. And this is where that line that the uh, even no effects use in their song where he says, look around you. It's a it's a cage with golden bars. Yeah. He says that because uh, he's when he wakes up in the morning, he's like, I got to get out of here. This isn't me. Yeah. And she's, you know, kind of pissed off. And he goes back to Wanda. And yeah. And right before, like, she he leaves, she sort of like is is feeling that. Disillusionment, disillusionment, rather, where she sees that his like poetic nature isn't really who he is. Yeah. Um. But it is though. But she she was kind of hoping maybe like uh, if we could dry him out a little bit, maybe it would maybe still we'll be the see same. More. We we, um, we but, find we find at the end like that she can't change him with something yeah. that she says. So he comes back to to Wanda. Wanda's and she apartment. can smell 
perfume, perfume. and she doesn't say yeah. anything to him. He's like, look at the money I got. And she's like, did you rob somebody? Did you kill somebody? Yeah, and he like, goes, yeah. <laughs> Oh, and, and Wanda says she's like she's like you know uh, someone stabbed the 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 guy next door, yeah. and he's like, did he die? He's like, not what I saw. He was smoking a cigarette when he was coming out of the structure, <laughs> so he probably got off on being stabbed. You know, yeah, probably. Uh, and we also find out Wanda didn't get a goddamn job. Yeah, she didn't get a job. And they where did they go? Back to back the, to, to the, the bar. Back to the bar. Back to the Golden Horde. Oh, and, so now he's got his five hundred dollars, and he's you know he's walking on air. He's got Wanda back, and uh, and uh, Eddie's there, and he, Eddie's. There, he yeah. orders a drink and then he's like, "You gonna pay for? You gonna it, pay for this motherfucker?" Yeah. And uh, he just whips out the cash and he's like, "Drinks for everybody." Everyone. He buys a round for the house. And uh, yeah, and then uh, Tully shows up. Yes. And uh, well, I think I think wait before before that even happens, we find out that it was forty dollars for the round for the whole place. Yeah, and there was like which is twenty eighty eight dollars by today's standards. Okay. Yeah, and there were like twenty people there. There was a bunch of shots of scotch yeah. or Jameson or yeah. just some brown li- liquid, something whiskey ish. Uh, and and it's still more bickering with Frank Stallone's character, which just never ends. Yeah, because they just fucking hate each other. Yeah, yin and yang basically. Yeah. And uh, totally shows. Or just two yangs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Just button heads all the time. This yin yang over here. <laughs> <clears throat> well, Tully shows up mm-hmm. and uh, she's trying to, like, again, get him back. Right. And Wanda smells the perfume. Yeah, she's like, bam, makes the she connection. She snaps, you know, yeah. where we've never seen her really fight. And right. now she does the same thing that Henry does with, yeah. like, Eddie. She just starts. Beaten Yanks her right out of her bar stool. Oh man, just starts beating. The, yeah, because she sits down. She's like, I just want to drink my drink, and she's like, Fuck you, and just. And she's starts, completely out of her element. This is not her world. Yeah, you got totally. like, you got yeah, you have like someone for money sitting in the skeeviest bar. Like just, it's one of those like really old school bars with the where with the, the padding. It's padded. Yeah, I've, I, there's, I've actually worked in bars like that. I love bars like that. Yeah. There was there was one of my favorite bars ever in the world it was in Talkeetna, Alaska, and it was called the Teepee. The Teepee. And it was this. It was, was it shaped like a teepee or is it just the name? It was an A-frame. Oh, okay. An A-frame building that had like a hotel attached to it. And one of the interesting things about this place is you can go in there. Uh, you can play pool for free. Um, you can smoke in there, which was cool. They had the, the wraparound bar, which is kind of like a square wraparound, three yeah, yeah. sides, padded, and even had the, the padding above as well. Oof. And it was it was really... Talk uh, about wiping I loved it, because <laughs> you could just sit at the bar and look across in any yeah, direction and talk no, I, to everybody. I worked, I worked at a place in Lake Mary that was like that. The only thing that, was inter- that, that you couldn't do in that bar is say, fuck. Uh, they didn't like the language. No, thing. so every time you said fuck, you had to put a Money quarter in, in the kitty. Oh, yeah, well... <laughs> And Those if you the building fund, and if you thing? sank, yeah, and if you sank an eight ball on a on a break, you had to put money. You got, no, you got the money from the kitty. Oh, <laughs> but after three strikes, they kicked you out for the day. Uh, for the day. Well, anyway, go ahead. You got you got to class up the joint once in a while. For you know? sure, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they the, even they didn't care if you said cunt. Excuse me. Sorry, I said it. Yeah, we said it earlier. But this is an eighteen and up. I lived in England. That they don't really care did. over there. Yeah, they don't really care. So words are words, folks. Um, yeah, so they uh, they got the big cat fight, mm-hmm. and she's pulling hair out of Tully. They end up. Uh, getting, I think, doesn't she leave? Yeah, she ends up leaving. And what she says is, she when Tully's about to leave, she looks at Henry and says, "You need this." Yeah. She realizes that that the poetry only comes from his drunkenness, right? Like from his character. Like if he yeah. was sober, he probably wouldn't be able to write yeah. the poetry that um, that he had. Been, the creativity would yeah. die. You know, the, the alcohol think, fuels the creativity for him. I think there's a point that Bukowski made too, like himself in his uh, in the interviews, is like anybody who um, could write a damn or oh, what does he say? Something to the effect of like any any writer uh, that can't drink isn't worth a damn. Uh, like I'm that. getting it way wrong. No, yeah, I'm sorry. Just um, look up some quotes. Yeah, 
And and yeah, totally leaves. And then he he ends up buying around for um for, for the whole place. Yeah, for, they, for the they kiss place. again. They kiss. There's, there's a big cheers, and, and he's he says, just throwing money throwing to all my money. friends. To all my friends. And I'll, you know, I'm gonna play that real quick. Uh, and it in the yeah yeah go ahead. There we go. To all my friends. He says it like a million times. Yeah. To all my friends. This is more or less like, and then and then, and then right afterward, he and then he gets he, he looks at Eddie again. Yep. And says something fucking stupid. Yep. And then they go right like, back right, outside to fight. Back so out to the alley. They, alley. And the movie goes full circle. Yeah, and even the way the movie started with it going into the front door of the bar, now it it comes, it comes back out. out of the bar and, and then uh, pans up, pans up, and, and, and it plays golden. the same music from the beginning. Yep. It starts showing the different bars around town, and it ends very much the same way it began. Just a, like uh, the camera is a drunk meandering through this little piece of life. Well, what kind of tidbits? I know you did a lot of research. You got a lot of stuff written down. Is there anything else? Uh, that uh, you, yeah, I that's... know. Like you, you got a bunch of stuff. So we're gonna turn it over to to Zach. It's my turn. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, before I really delve into the trivia here, there's a couple of connections to popular culture that I think is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I did already mention the no effects song, Green Corn. Um, there's also, uh, the movie Precious from 2009 briefly references the movie Barfly. Really? I don't, I don't remember which the... part, because I never saw Precious. I never did either. That's what the, 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 the big lady, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, G- Gabrielle something. Gabby something? I forget I don't her remember name. the name. I remember I when it came out. Was... I think Mariah Carey was in that movie. Mm. Um, other films that were based on Bukowski's work include Bukowski, Born Into This, which is a 2003 documentary about the man and his life. There was Tales of Ordinary Madness, which came out in 1981. Crazy Love, which also came out in 1987. And then Factotum, which came out in, ni- or I'm sorry, 2005, which starred Matt Dillon, also portraying Henry Chernowski in a different uh, in a different role. Yeah, because Chernowski, is, like we said before, is just a character that... Yeah. Uh, and oh, and yeah, uh, if there are any Harry Styles fans out there, uh, a line of dialogue from this movie is used in the Harry Styles track "Only Angel" on his self-titled debut. So, if you're into that, you'll probably find it. Uh, but here's some other really, really, really cool stuff uh, about the movie. That um, oh, specifically here uh, in in its obituary of Bukowski, the New York Post actually mistakenly used a photo of Mickey Rourke from this movie. Yeah, I saw it. For, for his obituary, <laughs> right? For his obituary, instead of a photo of Bukowski himself. I think that's pretty good. I yeah. think Bukowski would have liked it. Or Probably, yeah. Bukowski. But keep saying T, yeah. Isn't that like a show, Kick Bukowski or something? I don't know, I just... It's like a kid's show. Is it? Yeah. I just, for some reason, I it sounds like Kick Bukowski. Butt. It's Bukowski. Yeah. Um, so the apartment building, actually, where Wanda's apartment is located, was an actual building where Bukowski and his lover Jane Baker Cooley... And that was by mistake. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was the real-life uh, counterparts to Henry and Wanda where they had lived, and they didn't really notice that until Bukowski pointed it out during filming. Um, we already mentioned Bukowski's cameo in the bar where we meet Wanda. Uh, and this is an interesting fact for anybody who's really into filmmaking and the technical aspects of filmmaking. Uh, the first Kino Flow unit was created in 1987 during the filming of this movie. Uh, the director of photography, Robbie Muller, uh, was filming in the cramped interiors and couldn't fit traditional lights into the location. So in order to work around the problem, the film's gaffer, and uh, for any of you who aren't really um, familiar with some of this lingo, the gaffer is a chief lighting technician who's responsible for the execution and sometimes the design of lighting plan for a production. 
the term gaffer uh, actually originally um, refers to the moving of overhead equipment to control lighting, uh, lighting levels rather, using a gaff. And a gaffer's assistant is the best boy. So the gaffer on this film is Robbie Muller. His assistant is, um, uh, I'm sorry, Frieder, Frieder Hockheim and uh, Gary Swink. They designed a high output fluorescent light that uh, had a remote ballast and allowed them to uh, the lamp unit to become smaller and more maneuverable to be taped to the wall so they could use it in these cramped interiors. Oh, that's cool. They then in turn created a company to manufacture and market their innovation to the film industry. Um, And those um, products were then embraced by cinematographers and are now considered a staple of a standard motion picture lighting package. So they kind of changed the way nice. movies are, are made, and specifically nice with this movie. patent for them. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, there is no original score. The film's only soundtrack was based on uh, original source music specially selected by an associate producer and a music supervisor, with the exception of a few classical pieces which were selected by Mr. Rourke. <clears throat> yeah, that's what he's listening to when he's writing his poetry yeah. and stuff like that in his house. Um, Alice Creege was actually... Um, uh, was re- I'm sorry, she replaced Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt originally was cast as uh, Tully Sorensen. Uh, I don't know if I could see that. I kind of like uh, yeah, I kind of like Allison because she's she's super thin. She's very yeah. Beverly Hills. She looks yeah. she looks more Vogue type. And that was Helen that was more worked. the reason. That's definitely why they chose Alice because they needed someone who could like. And she's really tiny work. compared to Mickey Rourke. Yeah, I yeah. mean if you, they stand next to each other, she's shorter. She's thin. She's mm-hmm. frail looking. The film was actually almost never made because the Canon Group, Golan and Globus uh, productions were uh, financially strapped and they were on the verge of bankruptcy. They later actually did go out of business like a year later. Uh, so producer Fred Fuchs brought in his friend and producing partner Francis Ford Coppola into the project and the film was made. And thus Francis Ford Coppola was given a uh, presenting credit. He presented this. Um, originally Bukowski didn't actually care for Rourke's performance either, but he grew to like it later. And actually, uh, like append a uh, pretty um, praiseworthy like like note to to uh, whoever wanted to read it. Um, and actually, uh, before they decided not to have an original score, Trevor Jones was considered uh, as a composer. Oh, nice! And he Trevor did Jones. he did Dark City. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a connection to a previous. There's always, there's always some kind of connection. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Bukowski himself actually wanted Sean Penn to play the part of. That- uh, it would have been good, but 87, I don't think... I mean, Sean... Would have been old enough? I don't know. Because you just did, like, Fast Times, right? Yeah, I don't think he would have been old enough, because I don't... I, I mean, I like Sean Penn. I do, but, too, yeah. But late 80s Sean Penn? Yeah. I mean, I don't... Now, like, if, if they were going to do the movie now, oh, now, Sean Penn would be amazing sure. for it, because I think I think he's a better actor now. Oh, now? Yeah, yeah now. Sean Penn still has the chops. Mickey worked. Like, the last real good thing he did was, was a wrestler, wrestler which yeah. is awesome. Uh, but it's... Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> you and your Aronofsky. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's... It, it's I, yeah, again, I think he would have been too young. And yeah. I don't think he had the, 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 act, the acting chops right. in the 80s to do it. Also, the big problem with Penn was that Penn wanted Dennis Hopper to direct. Yeah, and, the, because, and then didn't they do a, a, a different movie afterward? I think so. Yeah, I think that uh, Penn and... Hopper did something afterward. I, I can't recall right off the top of my head. I, I didn't look that far into it. Um, but the reason that didn't work out for Bukowski was because he actually wrote this script for Barbet, who um, he had worked with uh, previously on like French television. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's basically it. I think that's everything I have. For this that. got seventy four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Seventy-four percent. I don't. I think that. I don't know if that was critic ratings or if that was. Uh, that's uh, based on, on user reviews. Uh, I think that's based on critic ratings. Okay. It was about nineteen. I tried looking up some critic uh, ratings on that. The only one I really could find. Roger Ebert loved this loved movie. it. Even he gave visited it, the set. He visited the set. He gave it four stars. He said it was a. a it was said it was one of the best American films he had ever seen. Mm-hmm. So it was like a real life American movie. Yeah. Uh, Seven point two out of ten on IMDb. And let's see here. What's your favorite scene? Uh, I think I like. I think I like the scene where he's where he's just like fall down drunk and bloody, and he's, he's just responding to everybody who like happens to cross his path with the same sort of dismissive, like. Eh. I think anytime he talks is a good scene. Yeah, My, mine. Uh, we didn't talk about it, but there's one point where he's walking back to his hotel, and mm-hmm. there's there is this dog at a car that is just going batshit nuts. Yeah. Just going crazy. He's like, oh, look at you, cute puppy. Puppy. I don't remember you that. remember that? It's just no. this little scene. And I, I remind, when I was going through all the different clips, I'm like, oh, yeah, I actually like this scene. And the huh. dog is just snarling at the mouth. Really just and he's going just nuts. Drunk, and he's like, hey, you little, you're so cute. Yeah. And he just walks away like nothing. I liked a lot. Of, well, that, that scene in, in particular, I, I really liked because you just it's him just fall down drunk and then when he comes to he's he's like the sober clear-headed sort of verbose and he, and he rattles off these like very poetic like verbiage like uh, he's extremely intelligent absolutely like this man this man has like read an entire library yeah what was there uh what what do you think works is there anything that that you think worked and didn't work in this in this movie like is there anything that you look at and you're like that there's that very work? there's very little that i have to say that's critical of this movie yeah, uh, neither do I. that uh yeah, I mean, um, nothing, I th- nothing that stands out. I think it works. I, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a dated movie. I mean, I, if, if you just, the, the storyline is not dated. The right. the actual like the look uh, of it, the location, the look yeah. of it is dated. I think they they could remake this movie and yeah, if, they, could if they kept the same script, it, yeah, it could keep going. I don't think anything. I would think really one thing that I would have liked out of this, maybe maybe I don't necessarily need, but I think uh, a casual viewer would would like yeah. if they're watching it is there is no, you know. Um, sort of uh conclusion there's no there's no like big setup or problem there, or you know final there's, there's not really a happy ending or a sad there's ending no, it there's just no, ends. There's, there's no denouement there's nothing there's right it, it, there it just ends it goes full circle there's no yeah. structure to this Zero. film i think it, somebody watching it would want that it's ep- it seems very episodic by each scene like right each scene has yeah. its ups and its downs and then it that's it that's all it is what i would like to see more of is like just the janoski character i'd like to see like you know maybe how he ended up or did he we watched this with the subtitles on yeah um just because we like doing that just in case we miss something or they, yeah. or they uh they miss you know they pronounce something we don't know what he said yeah. i would suggest if you watch this movie using watch it with that, the subtitles yeah. because of his and oh, everything is yeah, so yeah. great and wonderful you you got <laughs> you, you got to you got to do that um Main takeaway of the movie, uh, I I I like it so much because I guess I can kind of see, I don't I don't see myself in it, but I've seen I can I feel like I've been there. I don't consider myself an artist or a poet by any stretch of the imagination, but I've been like in that sort of energy where you're just sitting at a bar, drunk, uh, without much of any other care in the world. So I identify with certain aspects of it, but also. I, 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 it's so bleak and, and devoid of any, like, I don't know, any real purpose that it kind of makes me feel sad a little bit when I, when I watch it. I can, but I it's, see, because of the humor there, it kind of, 
it lightens it. It lightens a it a little bit. So yeah, that's my kind of takeaway. Is like, God, I don't want to be that way. But if I had a mind like his, I guess I wouldn't give a shit either. Well, Just the, the nihilism of it all. You I know? think it's that thing that like with great artists always have some kind of crutch. I suppose. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. a, you know when I when I used to research a lot of old clowns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's like most of the greatest clowns were raging alcoholics. You know, Got to drink to be funny type of stuff. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, the main takeaway is yeah, I, I do see anybody who drinks or does any kind of substances like yeah. you do see that it does make you reflect on it. I mean, watching the movie, I was like, man, I want to drink. Yeah. But then also, I was like, no, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want I don't want that existential dread to creep in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's 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 a good movie. Yeah. I think I think you should watch it again. It's a cautionary tale, maybe uh, in some ways. I, I I feel like I should rewatch it to see if I missed anything. Yeah. I don't think I'll rewatch it anytime soon. Nah, I, I think we gave it a good watch. Wait, when did you first see this? This is my first time seeing this uh, movie. Well, I was just over a year old when it came out, so I didn't actually watch it for my first yeah, time. I was not born yet, right? I think I watched it for the first time. Uh, when I was a sophomore or, or a junior, I was a junior in high school. Okay. Because I came back in 2003. I was living in North Carolina for a while. I came back in 03 to finish high school here in Florida, and my dad had all his all of his old VHSs from before, and I, I still had a VCR. Yeah, and you just dig through. I'm like, oh, what's this? And I was like, oh, I remember this movie, just seeing it for years and years and years, and never actually watched it. And by that point, I had seen Nine and a Half Weeks because I brought it out with a high school girlfriend. Mm-hmm. For, for you know why yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like oh, I never watched this one I'll give it a shot and I watched it and I remember thinking like what is this so revisiting it uh, I think I appreciate it more now than I did then probably because um, you're drinking well yeah now I'm 33 versus and it's around the same age as I that character probably is he could have been yeah. in his 40s or something and but I think I was 19 the first time I watched it so I didn't really like identify with any of those people but now watching it at my age I was like I've, I've met all these yeah, people yeah yeah the yeah. bar I mean I, I work yeah. in bars that's my entire yeah. job is working bars right. and yeah you just look around you're like I know a person that's like that yep. I know someone who's like that oh right. I definitely know that uh, and you're hoping you don't say that's me oh uh, like, yeah god yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> the whole thing is like is this is a reflection of something like I'm, I'm, I'm yeah uh, if, you're, if this movie is a <gasps> Mirror to yourself, and it's uh, weird that we chose sober Lord October, hope, yeah. mostly sober October, to cover this one because yeah. now, now I'm like having this like moment of like self reflection and shit. And, like, it's a good thing that, that, that we watched it. For yeah, sober I suppose. D- imagine just the, the despondency if I had decided to watch this like during a week of like just being on a total bender. I would not be. Uh, I don't think I would be talking about it with such fervor. So do, we've already kind of talked about like you know. I think it does endure. I think that uh, someone can watch this movie and not feel that it's too dated. I mean, at least with the storyline, we did say like the filming, the if locations. If you're a person of a certain age, you'll you'll certainly uh, yeah, you'll enjoy it. I, again, I think someone in high school watching this probably would. No, I mean, be like, what is this? I mean, I, I may if I would have watched this in high school, I would have just walked away and went. It's a weird movie. That's exactly like it. how I felt yeah. about it the first time. Nice until you go to bars and you experience that culture, right? Uh, and know these kinds of people. Exactly. Uh, I I would give this. I would recommend the recommend the movie. I mm-hmm. give this three out of five ducks. And the only reason I do that because I know I gave the chase one duck. I give this one three because it, it is a very kind of a uh, an artistic mm-hmm. film. Yeah. And it's an art house film. It's for an art sure. house film, and it. It makes you think. Mm-hmm. It's structured differently. So I, yeah. I like those kinds of movies Me that too. where you go. It's very when, different. When when we when we watch the chase afterward, there wasn't much discussion. Right. If you watch this movie, there's 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 a good hour and a half of okay, Zach and I are gonna we're gonna talk about this. Right. And when that discussion lasted longer than the chase, so it made me really yeah. think about things. Yeah. Um, so that's why I give it a three out of five because it it, it's really there grounded. Was a takeaway, yeah, it, it makes you think about something. Yeah. I it, think uh, that with just like well, yeah, the chase was like, haha, that was funny, that was funny, yeah, that was funny. 
this stuff has a lot of humor in it that sort of like undercuts some of the more serious tones. Um, for, it's a dark for the humor. Su- yeah, it's very dark humor. Uh, well, not super, super dark, super but dark. it's like it's, in it's the grounded. Yeah, it's grounded yeah. in that realism of these the seedy world where drunks live mm. and how it's hard to pull yourself out of that lifestyle if you you get too far into it, and and sort of the dismissive like humor in it to undercut like the reality of of such a lifestyle is is kind of gives it a little bit of levity and 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 then of it's, course, it's it almost like a, it's, a little it's like more. a nervous laugh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so <clears throat> i if i got a duck rate it i'm gonna give it a solid three out of five as well um just because i think it was great um but it's also one of those movies where you only really need to watch it's, it a it's, handful it's, of times. I wouldn't say it's like now. I don't think I would forget the movie. It's fun to revisit it, but I don't think I would throw it on. I'm not going to sing its praises. Yeah. It's not like monumentally like great to me, but it's it's fun. It's great. So our next film, it's going to be. Uh, so you're listening to this on a Saturday. So mm-hmm. a week from whenever you're listening to this, we're going to be coming out with uh, a new episode Copycat, Copycat, 1995. Sigourney Weaver? Sigourney Weaver, Holly Hunter, and Harry Connick Jr. Ooh, I think Sigourney Weaver just celebrated her 70th birthday. She still looks good. Yo. She still holds up. Woodbang. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Sigourney Weaver movie? Ooh, man. I do like Ghostbusters. Okay. There's uh, no Dana, only Zool. Only Zool, no Dana. Oh, man, that's hard. She's I mean, always done a lot. One I mean, can say Alien for sure. There's a lot of good stuff. I mean, I'm kind of blanking right now, but if, yeah. you, if you list it off a few, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that one's good. Oh, yeah, that one's good. Um, this is on Netflix. Copycat is yeah. on Netflix. So you can watch so that one. you can one. watch this one. Um, other than that, I think uh, I, I have one more thing I would like to say. To all my friends. To all my friends. Oh, to all my friends. Go have a drink. To all my friends. Don't get too into it. <laughs> Ladies and or gentlemen, <laughs> my name is Joshua Stenkamp. I am Zach the Fish Fisher, or Monsieur Le Poisson, or El Pescado, <laughs> or El Fisherino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Thank you for listening. <laughs>